0: Welcome to this week's episode of the NRL Bulldogs Fan Podcast. I'm Matt. Scott is with me yet again. Hey Matt, how are you going? Good, how are you? Yeah, good, good. How's the how's the weekend? Uh it was pretty good. It's good to uh celebrate with our third win in a row against South Sydney. A bit of an upset. Yeah, what a what a night it was at uh ANZ Stadium with the three grades on and the three wins, which will Talk about a, bit, a little, little bit later in the show. Yep, first up we have What's Happening in Belmore and the Canterbury Baseball Bulldogs have signed young gun Aaron Shoop from the Dragons. He played under 15s and 16s Australian schoolboys and was chased by a couple of clubs. So a young star to look forward to in the next couple of years, eh, hey, Scott? Yeah, it'd be exciting to see how he develops in uh, in the Bulldogs and uh, how long away he from first grade, a lot of clubs were chasing him and uh, we've won it. And uh, maybe it's a signs that younger t- teams are seeing the Bulldogs as a, a nice area, a nice uh, club to go to with plenty of build, rebuilding happening in these yeah, some, you, op- some opportunity in the next couple of years, perhaps. Yes, definitely. All right, let's get into our last week review. Canterbury, Bankstown Bulldogs, defeating South Sydney 14 points to 6 at ANZ Stadium. And I don't know about you, Scott, but the most impressive thing out of this victory for me was that South Sydney didn't manage a single try. That, that, I agree, agree. That was the, one of the best feelings walking outside of the ANZ Stadium this, on uh, Saturday night was that South didn't cross once, not even w- one try in there at all, and they had plenty of opportunity to do that. Yeah, they did. Um, our defence really held up, and our defence has been, uh, it's really shown the character of the team, I believe.
1: So heading into
0: this game, I wasn't really uh, expecting us to win, to be honest. I was hoping that maybe if the score was reversed, 14-6 the other way, I would have been happy with a little bit of respect to the score. was all I was after. But uh, I remember sitting there uh, at ANZ with uh, about eight minutes to go, and we were 12-6 up, and the Souths were on the attack. I I was just thinking to myself, oh, we better not lose from here, otherwise it would really feel like a loss even, uh, mm. even though I wasn't expecting a win heading into it. I wasn't expecting a win heading into it, but then just moments before kickoff, just being at the ground, there was a good feeling amongst the names at Stadium, well, if you wore a blue and white jersey. I just felt a little bit just felt confident watching the warm-ups. I felt like they, they looked on. But however, when um, the Tigers went down to Manly and Manly took the top four spot, I thought it was extra motivation for Souths to come out and win to get back in the yep. top four, because I needed a win to get there. So I thought, oh, dear, this is going to be a... Switching on Thursday night, it's going to be a tough night on Saturday. But then on Saturday, I was watching the warm-ups, and the Bulldogs looked very switched on. And I was feeling quite confident sitting back and watching it. But um, I was thinking, hopefully, just pushing South. not Like you said, 14-6. If it was South 14-6 in that tight contest, I would have taken that. But um, like you said, when I was 12-6, and South had all the ball, I was thinking, oh, I would have left heartbroken. Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, Player of the week. Well, I'm going to the the man who returned from injury, and we've Uh spoken a little bit harshly about him. But Kieran Foran, I thought he was fantastic on the weekend with the two try assists and the line break assist on the weekend. I was going to go the exactly the same way. Kieran Foran. Yeah, he just (laughs) looked good. He was running the ball a lot. He was uh, a few little crafty kicks. Most of the yeah. kicking went to Rockland Lewis, but a few crafty kicks. He just looked dangerous every time he was around the ball, and he set Corey for two tries. Yep, uh, he looked he looked good, and I'm um, hopefully he's uh, can, can stay injury free for at least for the rest of the year because he he uh, didn't. It felt like he hasn't missed the last few weeks the way he just came out and played against South. Yeah, I thought he was easily the best player on the field, incredible performance after missing about two months of football. But also impressive was uh, the impact off the bench in this game for players like Renoff Tuamaga and Raymond Fatale-Mariner. Well, Only played in, in uh, limited minutes, but Renoff Tuamaga, six runs for 70 metres and fatale six runs for 90 metres. Uh, yeah, good to see some impact coming off the bench again. Yeah, it's good. I think, uh, I think Raymond might have found his best suited position, which is off the bench, and he's playing more in the middle. He's playing as a lock, yeah. not, a, not a second rower. So maybe I think he was even playing prop. I think he yeah. played for Tobin. Yeah, he did. And, come with a, t- and um, using as the middle foot, well, the props and locks these days, very, the way the Bulldogs play them are very similar, in the way they play. Yeah. But yeah, in the middle, in the middle, not on the edges anymore. I think it might be, it might be his spot. I think so. Played, with, uh, with the other players that we've got in our squad, uh, in particular as well. He played a Canterbury Cup there a few weeks ago, starting a prop, and he. Played plenty of minutes a few weeks ago at Bankwest Stadium, and I really noticed how good he was at drop. That um, he might have found a new, a new a spot where he can, and he gets him the ball a little bit as well in the middle of the field, and then uh, gets his offload in the game towards the middle. Yeah. So I well, think as a whole, done. as a whole, the cl- the cl- team at the moment looks a lot more balanced than it has been. Uh, we'll highlight a few others, and a few of these people get highlighted every week, if not if they don't win the actual our player of the award. Dallin will tell another 183 run metres on his birthday, by the way. So happy birthday, Dallin. Uh, will Hoppawadi had a good game again with 17 runs for 188 run metres. I, I think he might have butchered that drive towards the end when um, he, him, uh, Adam Dewey, was it Dewey who slipped? Yeah. Adam Even Dewey, Dewey, Dewey slipped together. Running across in cover, uh, Hoppawadi slipped. and uh, Dewey slipped and then Hoppawadi slipped as well. Got like a, he got like a second chance, and then I think he butchered a little bit, but it was a good run all the I think Aidan Tolman played, again, another great game. Of over 60, He played 65, 65 minutes for 22 runs, 183 metres, 60 post-contact metres, three tackle breaks and 36 tackles. It's so just another stand of the week for Tolman. And I yeah. want to highlight Adam Elliott, returned return from injury as well, and uh, he made 16 runs for 150 metres, four tackle breaks and 22 tackles. It's, one, it's probably his best game of the season. Yeah, probably. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. And as you mentioned earlier, Scott, uh, our Jersey flag and Canterbury Cup results are uh, the same as well against South Sydney. Two victories. Jersey flag Bulldogs, 18 points to 12. And the Canterbury Cup, the Bulldogs, 36-24. Yes, yeah, so, uh, coming down as the uh, it was top of the table clash between the Bulldogs and uh, Rugnows, but they, you probably said the, the Rugnows are the higher-ranked team in both Jersey Flag. And uh, Canterbury Cup, so you're probably saying they were the favourites, well, not anymore. Well, yeah, well, um, they uh You probably thought they would be the favourites. Um, well, not an overly massive upset in both grades, but uh, to get all three wins was amazing, and it just built up. Uh, made it feel good to the lead up to the NRL kickoff. Well, it really added to the night, didn't it? Jersey played one Canterbury Cup, one. It was just really building, building towards that first grade victory as well. Yeah, just uh, do you reckon it plays a part when uh, you're sitting there watching it and the, as an NRL player or a Canterbury Cup player and you watch your lower grade win against the same side as well? Especially, well, I, as think, I don't know how much of the game they would watch, to be honest. But uh, and I think the logical answer would be no, it, it doesn't play a part. But there's something to it, isn't there? Over the years, I've noticed, um, particularly when teams are having a poor season, that if they're, if on a particular day, Conditions are right, um, and both the reserve-grade teams get up. The chances of the first-grade team winning also rises, I think. I think I remember early or mid-2000s, when, back when Cronulla was like, really, really bad. I remember uh, one of the seasons where they were fighting up with a wooden spoon. They, uh, they had two massive wins in the reserve grade on a Sunday afternoon at Shark Park, and they came out and had one of their biggest wins. Both uh, wise mm, yeah. so I think there's, I think there's something to it actually. Is there a way like, you, would you think the coach would bring it up? Especially I, I, don't, you know, I right? don't, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it'll be brought up. I don't think anyone would talk about it. I think it's just the, the atmosphere and positivity that it creates around the club in general. Like, well, I'm not saying it happens all the time. I'm not saying, watch, watch the results in the reserve grade, and if one team wins both those, they're going to win the NRL. But. I think there well, is a, there's something about it, isn't there? Well, yeah, it's the same day, same venue. I mean, using the sheds and the, like, you'd have the Bulldogs on one side and South on the other side in all different sheds. But I wonder yeah. if you're hearing the team song as you're getting ready to run on the field. When the Jersey Flag won, they sung the team song, and then maybe the uh, the Canterbury Cup side before they run on the field, they might have heard that, I don't know, and then, then rolled onto the NRL. Well, if that's the case, maybe we just start singing the team song. Before I mean, every game anyway. Just told the NRL team told the NRL team they all won. But it's just all on the same day, I think. I think the same day in the same venue. Same yeah. team as well. Against the same team. It Good. wasn't it wasn't North Sydney where South were connected to last year. It was South Sydney, South Sydney, South Sydney. Yeah, same. Club, all three yeah. Grades. So it's all about the same. Even though even if they were connected to another uh, if they had a feeder club, you could still get that feeling, but it was all the same things, all the red and greens. Yeah, well, maybe the listeners, if they think we're talking crap, or if they think there's something to it, they can uh, send a message in, and
1: it'd be yeah. good to get
0: some feedback about this one. Do you think there's something to winning in reserve grade both times? Uh, up uh, in the NRL, that, yeah. does that affect the NRL in any way? But before we move on, Scotty, we're going to have our pup watch player. Oh, this goes to the uh, Canterbury Cup captain, Morgan Harper who ran for 164 metres and only 13 runs. He scored a try, got 53 post-contact metres, one line break, four offloads and 10 tackles. It's one of those uh, games, very crafty player. He gets through a lot of metres. He made a a line break as well, and he even got a try. So um, another great game for Morgan Harper. He actually hasn't won this yet, which I'm surprised about. By watching it on the game, I definitely saw his presence and how um, involved he was. But he was also named in the extended squad for the Bulldogs. I don't know if they gave him an extra bit of confidence, knowing that he's so close away from top grade. Yeah, he's actually closer to that top grade appearance by looks of it. Um, so yeah, Real, Real captain's Real performance by Morgan Harper in the Canterbury Cup. Uh, and just to recap, Jersey Flake, uh, Dogs defeating South Sydney, 18 points 12, putting us into fourth place now in the Jersey Flake. Yep. And the Canterbury Cup Bulldogs, 36 24 over the Rabblers now putting us into. Third place, one win away from the top. Okay, guys, so this Thursday night at Bank West Stadium, our other home ground uh, where we have 100% win rate at, we go and play the Parramatta Eels at Paradise, I think they're trying to call it. I think it should be called our kennel. <laughs> uh, I don't think we'll go our kennel. It sounds too much like our jungle, which failed miserably. Well, oh, what Tigers fail, that the Bulldogs succeed at. We've been in price. <laughs> I, think we can, I think we can take their uh, little bit of a slogan.
1: I actually Changed think it's a, a
0: really good thing. marketing campaign by Paramount Paradise. I think it works well. Anyway, uh, Bulldogs team this week, do you want to read through it? Yeah, I'll read through it. A full back it's Dallin, one telling Zalesniak. The wingers are Nick Meaney. And Remus Smith. The centers are Kieran Holland and Will Hopawate. 5'8, Kieran Foran who, uh, and halfback Lachlan Lewis. The props are Aidan Tolman and Dylan Napa. Hooker is Jeremy Marshall King. Second row, and of course, the captain Josh Jackson and his partner Corey Hariria Naira. At lock is Adam Elliott. On the interchange bench is Jack Cogger, to Tumamungai, Roman Fatala Marino, and Chris Smith. And on the reserves is Denny Falalo. Morgan Harper, Michael Leacher, and Ophi Ogden. So the same 17 to take on who defeated the South Sydney Rabbitohs on Saturday night. Yeah, it's going to be a tough task. Parramatta have a pretty good record at Bankwest and always seem to lift uh, when they're playing there. I think their record at home is, is very much superior to their record away. I think it's yeah, they four have... wins and six losses away. Eight and wins and and they've only lost against the Penrith Panthers at ben Quest. Western City rivals, yeah. <laughs> Read into that, or you will. The Dogs come up against some pretty quality players in the opposition lineup this week, though. Like Sevo, uh, what a season he's having. Uh, Mitchell Moses is in great form as well. Their forward, doing, forward pack doing. Forward is really leading the way for the Parramatta Eels. But we also come, out, uh, come up against the most overrated player in the NRL, Clint Gustafson. Yeah, I'm not. A, well, that's a. Very harsh call, but yeah, I think he's uh, not a fan. But I was going to highlight another Parramatta player before you said to me. I think Brad Tagerangi's had a great year for the Eels. If it, if it's centre, second row, or even winger, how does he play on the wing? Like seriously, I don't I don't know how he's playing on the wing, but he seems to be getting a job done, and he's um he keeps scoring. He's gone to a great patch of scoring tries recently, especially at Bank West. Yeah, he's missed his calling. I don't know if they think. He's a replacement like Blake Ferguson to get that tall body, a big bod, body. Yeah, on the wing. that's exactly what they're doing. But the fact that, for the most part, he hasn't uh, embarrassed himself as a second roller turned center now on playing the on wing. the wing is, is incredible. I think he had one pretty embarrassing drop, but apart from that, um, he's I wonder been if you on just, just target him all game or yes. a fair bit of the yeah. game because he hasn't really been tested. No, he hasn't really been tested. That's probably a good game plan, hopefully and Lewis can provide that for us. Um, interesting to note, Brad tucker played 5 H this year for the Cook Islands in their World Cup qualifier against South Africa. He's a bit Mr. Utility, Mr. Fix-It. And now he's playing wing for Parameda Eels. Uh, <laughs> and he played in the last World Cup centre for New Zealand Kiwis. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, he could do, play anywhere. Oh, he's, he's absolutely incredible. Maybe we should sign him. <laughs> maybe. Oh, he's not towards the back end of his career, but maybe he might have a place. He might be on the, uh, I don't know. Hooker. Could be. Why not? does else. I was about to say, <laughs> could be anywhere. Um, interesting so they, comment about Clint Gufferson, though. You don't agree? No, oh, just very interesting just to blurt that out without... Without free <laughs> talking about what? it, off, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I think what? everyone talks about it. It's... Um, I don't like know, the King, uh, King Guffo, King Guffo, yeah, I don't think he's as good as uh, they say he is, and like he's, he's, a, he's a little like he's pretty elusive. He's a pretty consistent player, but Guffo's little a Zolazziak. I'll take DWZ every day of the week. Yeah, I would too. I think you're uh, not afraid to get from the hard stuff as well. He's, def- um, yeah, he's definitely not the top. He's not in the top ten fullbacks, surely. Well, I'm just. Wondering where we go back to the Bulldogs side, same 17 who won against South. Uh, do you see any change to the 17 named? Do you see any of these reserve pushing for a spot in the interchange bench or a switch? Uh, well, Marshall keep played early last week, looked, looked to have it covered pretty, pretty comfortably, so I don't see a need for an extra hooker. Ogden, so, Lalo there just in case uh, maybe one of the forwards might be carrying an injury. If they tweak that, maybe there might be a chance for them to come forward. Uh, so, no, I don't really really imagine any changes this week to the 17th. Does Cogger get any game time this week? He didn't get anything last week. Yeah, I'd hope so. He got zero minutes and he was, he's been one of our best players in the last month. Yeah. Um, but he's been one of our best players. Watch, it sounds a bit crazy, but when you watch that game, though, even we were saying in the stands the way this game's going, Kong is not going to come on. Yeah, I just felt like it just, yeah, it just didn't go to the script, or we didn't need, it felt like we didn't need an a extra, like, I don't know, yeah. an He's X-Factor. Probably there, the there just to cover Marshall King and play 10 or 15 minutes, maybe, at hooker. We didn't get, uh, we, just, we just had to stick, yeah. we didn't need an X-Factor person to come to the bench. Yeah. And he played, um, yeah, he warmed up at hooker. Um, you, you never yeah. know. Maybe maybe the plan was all along to have him as, the, as a back just in case of HIA or something like that. But well, you I, 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 don't, I don't like not using a player. If he's on the bench, You should be playing. Uh, but at the same time, watching that game, there wasn't really much of an opportunity for Dean Payne to use it the way the game played out. Well, especially especially in that it was, second half. It was Sorry? Also, was, uh, looked like he was struggling with some sort of head or neck injury. Last week, yeah. um, we dropped a bit, so maybe that was probably the only opportunity he got to go on. But it's one of those things where I, I think it might be funny to say this, but I think he's probably overall our most talented, like, well, in our top two talented halves outside of foreign, yeah, yeah, outside of Ford, so foreign. So foreign being number, no, but I think foreign being number one and Kogger yeah, being number two, but I think foreign and Kogger add the same value in the sense of running. Taking the line on, being a little bit more crafty, and organizing. Where, yeah, and organizing. Where I think Lewis is very, not very. I wouldn't say it might sound A bit harsh. But not very skillful. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's a standard deliver, he's standard hard. deliver type player. Yeah, he's pretty ordinary in attack, but like his defense, it could almost like complement foreign, where it pushes foreign to do something. if that makes sense? Yeah, it's. it's, and I, it's kind of actually, a, I think I by gonna, balance, like. I would say Cogger's a better halfback than Lachlan and Lewis, especially the attacking features of the game. But maybe if Cogger came on, that uh, maybe Foreman might take a backseat a little bit. This kind of pushes Foreman to actually yeah, move it's forward. It's the combination it looks like Foreman and Lewis combination probably works better than Foreman and Cogger. Yeah, both runners. Yeah. Yeah. So might be interesting. I'm, I'd say I don't know why but... Foreman's not the halfback though. Yeah, I prefer watching Cogger play than Lachlan Lewis any day in the sense of attack. I mean, his defence has been outstanding, Lachlan Lewis. He's got to be highlighted for that. But when it comes to creativity, he doesn't feel like he's going to be the guy who wins you the game on the back of a a good crossfield kick or a grubber or taking the line on and scoring. If he does, I think you've shocked the whole defensive line next to him running. Just while we're talking about team selections and team performance, let's just give a big... uh... Congratulations to Dean Pay. I mean, under a lot of pressure earlier this year by um, the, uh, some parts of the media, some parts of our own fan group, uh, saying that he can't coach and needs to be replaced. So I think the last seven or eight weeks uh, have really shown uh, what Dean Pay's about, and what Dean Pay can bring to the club uh, long-term. Uh, mm-hmm. So congratulations, Dean. And I think this pr- proves to, should prove to most people that Dean Pay should be... The coach of the Bulldogs at least for the next couple of years. Yeah, he's bring bring the old fashioned I feel like defence. Look after you, like mate. Sheep, look after you. Look after your mate. If your mate makes a mistake, get in there as well. Dig deep. It's kind of it's more attitude stuff, which we haven't seen in a long time.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't he's a very genuine
0: I'm, person. We have got a strike uh, a strike fullback. So that helps with the sense of attack. We still got, we still a little bit down on the tag, but hopefully foreign can help. And you never know, uh, another hooker maybe on the cards. But that's we're looking at more f- possible future that um, we're starting to build, and we just need a little bit more points probably to push ourselves against the elite teams in the competition. Yeah. But um, also before we move on to the show, uh, yeah, there's a permanent eels fan group. Called Die" on Twitter. Yeah, I saw this. Saw so the They set the challenge to the Eels and Bulldogs fans. I think this is fantastic. No Sydney game on a Thursday night in two thousand nineteen has drew a twenty thousand crowd. Can we change this this week? Traditional rivals, both in form. Eels looking for five straight, which is something we can mention in this preview. The Eels looking for five straight in the top four spot as well, and the yeah. Bulldogs are going four straight. And uh, you know continuing on the giant killers and trying to ruin teams not necessarily team seasons but teams hopes to the next level. The challenge has been set by Power Till I Die oh, Power, yeah, Till Die is the uh, name. The challenge has been set. Uh, the reply, we did do a reply accepting it. Can we get over 20,000 Bank West? It's our home ground. We've used it once this year and it's, we're going to be using it for next year and years beyond. Wines is getting redeveloped, it's also our home ground, so it shouldn't be unfamiliar. Yeah, it's, it's not yeah. hard to get to. Um, it's, it's a good big challenge. I think it's a challenge that's uh, well and truly uh, doable. Uh, no crowd at Sydney on night I've seen over 20,000, so we'll talk about that later at Rugby League World, uh, whether yeah. the first night football should exist. Uh, but yeah, for this week, get out there, Bulldogs fans. I've got my tickets. You're getting yours uh, pretty much now. So uh... yes. Yeah. Well, if anyone's listening to this podcast and they want to get out to uh Bank West on Thursday night and you're not Bulldogs fans podcast exclusive. I'm just kidding. Uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not exclusive. You can use the code word twenty nineteen bulldogs in your ticket tech when you're purchasing the tickets and you'll receive ten percent off all tickets. tickets it's too late for old Matthew We've already got... Oh, well, tickets. Matthew, you should have waited to the email. Rookie mistake. <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. God. So, if you use that code where you get 10% off your tickets, save you a little bit of thing, you can use that 10% to, you know, uh, get some food maybe or buy some merchandise from the Bulldogs. But also, uh, you get free train travel just like ANZ z to and from Bank West Stadium as well. So, even 10% off and you're still getting free train travel. Yeah. So, you just got to push in, call, call your work on Friday, and say you're having a day off. No need <laughs> to work Friday. You make it a long weekend. <laughs> well, there you go. Another reason why we should be hitting around 20,000 for this week. Bulldogs looking for four in a row. Eagles looking for a top-four spot. It's going to be a cracking game. Two old rivals go head-to-head at a brand in new stadium. We'll see you guys there. It's that time of the show when we get, we go to Old Dog. Old Dog is when we look at a former Bulldogs player, take a look at their career, walk down memory lane throughout the career, and uh, have a quick chat. And, uh, yeah, we'll go by that. This week's Old Dog, uh, Matthew, is Jim Dimmick. Jim Dimmick. Uh, Jim Dimmick. So you what, picked a player that played for Parra? Yeah, you know, <laughs> You know, when uh, someone who... Uh, Maybe played for both clubs or did something amazing against that club or a certain yeah. aspect of the game. We'll go back, to we said Steve Geeran or somebody who's made the news like Bryson Goodwin in the previous few weeks ago. Uh, this week, I've gone with Jim Dimmick, the f- former Bulldog, Western Suburbs Magpies player, and and uh, playing, and then he coached the Bulldogs in 2011 for, for uh, eight games. So let's man. take a quick look at his career. Just before you go on there, man, we've signed a few good 5 from Western Suburbs. There 5-8 lock. <laughs> yeah, Lamb and Dimmick. All right, go on. Um, played six matches for Australia, five of them in the World Cup, 30 matches for New South Wales City, six matches for his state, New South Wales. Uh, he's played 31 games for Western Suburbs Magpies between 91 and 92, 71 games for the Bulldogs, which when looking back on, I was a bit surprised because a lot of old classic games I watched on Foxtel in the, in the 90s, I mean, 90s, it was like Dimmick was in every, in every game. Uh, he did score 12 tries at the Bulldogs and he had his best success at the Bulldogs in win rate, winning 71.83% of the time at the Bulldogs. 112 games for the Eagles between 96 and 2000. Then he finished his career over in the, the London, uh, at the London Broncos, playing 214 games for the London Broncos with uh, 23 tries. Uh, he then has a career in coaching. Has been all know. He went to the World Cup. We did Tong in the World Cup as well as some few test matches outside it. He did eight matches before wins, two of them including the uh including the World Cup. And uh uh he did coach the Bullocks for eight matches in two thousand eleven with five wins before Des Hasler came over in two thousand and twelve. And now he's for those who are wondering, he's the assistant coach at the Cronulla Sharks. Yeah, he he left our club after uh, after Dean Pay got signed as coach, thinking that he wouldn't get a an opportunity to progress from assistant coach to head coach. Uh, Jim Dimmick, uh, he's a player whose career was interrupted by the Super League War. So, yes. Uh, that's that's why he's played more games for the Eels than the Bulldogs. Uh, he's one of the, the four players that famously left the Bulldogs because the yes. Dogs went to Super League. Uh, and he wanted to stay loyal to the Australian Rugby League at the time, uh, then stayed with Parramatta for the rest of his Australian Rugby League career, as you've stated. Um, And even his statistics there uh, regarding test matches uh, have have been affected by uh, that Super League war. He's six tests of all... You said six test matches, five at the World Cup. Well, Mm -hmm. the sixth one was in 1996 against a country called Fiji NRL, or, or at least that's how it's listed now in uh, on the Rugby League Project website, where Australia won 84-14. The official uh, Fiji national team at the time signed with Super League. So this team was made up of players that were playing in a rebel competition locally in Fiji. So 84-14, so that's one of the tests. Not that I'm taking away Australian selection for him. just making the point that, uh, unfortunately, one of many great players that had their career interrupted by the Super League. Mm, yeah. Well, now, like, you look back at his uh, his career, what a career it was. Yeah. Played, oh, I mean, got 31 nice uh, two games for the Western Suburbs before jumping to the Bulldogs, 71 games, scored 12 tries in the Eels. In uh, the Eels, overall, he played 214 NRL games with 23 tries and 129 points. Had twelve of those tries being at the Bulldogs, and then uh, jumping to the London Broncos, then having a relatively successful coaching uh, stint at Tonga in 2008. Four wins yeah. out of eight matches. I'm surprised they didn't persist with him too. Well, well, back, back in 2008, it was a pretty good uh, record for Tonga. That oh, it was, well, I was but a lot's changed since since that. Well, why did they haven't persist with him and to go to the next World Cup? A bit harsh. <laughs> Yeah, I think especially back then, I think time's moved up in the in the levels of international rugby league. But I think back then, and maybe still now for... Uh, no, not even Samoa, really. Um, I think back then, a lot of Pacific Island countries and maybe European countries would pick a coach for that year. And the coach would then prepare for the World Cup. And then that contract would be ended at the end of the World Cup. And they'd have a, a more local coach for the in-between... Uh, the but it's definitely changed now. Matt Parrish, long time coach of Samoa, uh, and Christian Wolf at Tonga, so, mm. so they're pairing in between, like they're full time coaches now, as far I as just, the national teams go. If we fast forward to now with him at the assistant country sharks, yeah, like you said, why he left the ball, will there ever be a time that Jim Dimmick will get the nod as a head coach? Like, there's opportunities out there, yeah. So he in, could have been uh, Paul's head coach this year really in 2024 when uh, Brad Arthur gets fired for poor performance, a and Dymik will return the coach to the Eels. Well, you start. That's to think, my prediction. That's a bold prediction, but I start to think like you know you look at the uh, sorry pardon me you look at the clubs like the Dragons and having uh, Paul McGregor who's not very popular with the Dragons fans, and then you see all these names like Trent Barrett and uh, Jeff Tooney. Yep, yeah. get caught around or um, the fans circling around. No one even mentions uh, Paul Old Jim Dimmick. He eight in a role matches for five wins. Yeah, yeah. Oh, think oh, people actually, people? Actually, I think when the coaching job is coming up to be talked about uh, in the NRL, uh, the media in particular will talk about coaches that have previously coached in the NRL. So that's why you get your Barretts and your TV's, uh and whatnot. Uh, they don't really talk up too many coaches who. Haven't coached the NRL, unless if it's uh, unless if they've got inside word that uh, a team is about to select uh, somebody to coach who hasn't coached before, like Garth Brennan. That was leaked to the media a couple of weeks before it was officially announced for the Titans in that type mm. of situation. So I don't think anyone in the media is going to say, oh, Jim Dimmick should coach the Dragons or whatever. They'll say Toovey and Barrett should, should get a chance and that sort of thing. Uh, and then, if, if Dimmick was to get his chance, it would be one of those uh, two lights before sort of thing. You'll hear about it two lights before yeah. lights well, the deal's well, already done. I hope he becomes a coach. He looks like he's, he's, got, he's got a relatively good record in internationals and as well as uh, for the Bulldogs. and that's, like, I know it's a very short stint, but he's a coach. But um, let's take a yes. look. One of the, uh, the funny moments I think you might remember with Jim Demick, Yeah. Where. There was the referee who called him over he, he, with, for the fight he was in. Oh, the famous quote, yeah. Yeah, would you like to go through that? I think that's a funny oh, story. I, I, could, I don't have it in front of me, but I, I, I think it went something along the lines of uh, the referee said to Jim Dimmick, mate, mate, you're the aggressor. And I think Jim Dimick said back, of course I am. I effing smashed him or something like yes. that. Yes, it was, it was quite funny. <laughs> that was a funny story to um, well, cap well, off. Well, cap well off the Dibbic old dog. He was a very, very skillful, five eight, uh, but very tough, very old school. Uh, very uh, old. School. When you think of players to compare him to, like the players I think of are Terry Glenn uh, and Brad Fittler and that type of lock forward, 5'8". eight, uh, lots of ball skills, footwork. Yeah. What um. With the lock changing, I don't know, yeah in the, the morning game of the NRL. Yeah. Uh, he'd just you'd say it just probably be a five eight, wouldn't you? He? Like he's if we look at it, I've probably in second row these days. I've pulled up his career positions. He's played fifty three matches at five eight. Uh, three yeah. at hooker, one at second row, hundred and forty two at lock and then fifteen off the bench. Well, I think the second row position has changed quite a lot since he played too, and so I think he'd probably be a second row, be like Wade Graham these days. Oh, yeah, and yeah, and a nice little grubby yeah. kick as well. But,
1: yeah. yeah, I do think He's he was real,
0: a lot of, lot of probably positions. not, probably not fast enough to do like a Kevin Murray or a Victor Radley type player, but Wade, Wade, Graham. Well, in the Super League, he played twenty nine games at five eight, one game at halfback. Uh, yeah. 72 at locks so it's locks being his predominant position in his career, uh, but definitely a different position back then, than what the 13 does today, than what it did in Jim do next time. we outside for a rugby league world, where we look at something that doesn't necessarily have to do with the Bulldogs, but from the rugby league uh, wider world. And this week, we've only got the one topic, talking about Thursday Night Football. Should it stay or should it go? Scott what you, what's your thoughts? Um, me personally, I actually don't mind it. Um, it brings the football a little bit earlier. Uh, it's, I can understand the TV benefits with um, the money what comes in in a great primetime slot on a, a week night uh, like a weeknight with work the next day. It's a great uh, TV opportunity but I understand the, uh, the fans who say it's not an overly good look when you especially when you play a Thursday night at like ANZ when there's a, a crowd of 8,000 people um there and it's a quite a small look um me personally, I get I can go to Thursday nights quite easily uh if what I do uh makes it yeah so I'm I'm okay with it but I can understand the uh top uh the arguments for to scrap Thursday night football as well yeah uh well Thursday night football's here to stay unfortunately uh the amount of money that it makes and viewers on a Thursday night from TV Dictates that it will stay, Uh, but I think it should go. It's a terrible time slot. Uh, I think it takes away from Friday night football. I remember uh, Friday night football was the big event, and uh, part of most of the reason why Friday night football was a big event was for one, it was a it always seems to be a big clash. But two, it was the first game of the weekend. Uh, I feel like Thursday night football interferes with that. Uh, Not every uh, interrupts the first game of the weekend being on Friday. And, uh, I don't think, uh, it has the same impact on a Thursday night. Also, yeah, it's hard to get to for a lot of fans, especially when they're playing at big stadiums, even though the NRL promised that we'd play at smaller venues. Uh, we were playing at A&Z's and, and this week. Uh, although hopefully a good crowd shows up this week. Um, to me, I I don't like Thursday life football. I'd much rather have Monday night football back. To be honest, I, I looked into the crowds a little while ago, and they're pretty pretty similar. Yeah, I mean, Thursday well Thursday the the Channel Nine game, isn't it? Monday was Fox, the, game, the Fox tail game. Um, yeah, I can see why people hate it. I mean, I, think I I can go to the game no matter what. If it was Thursday or Friday this week, it doesn't change. My attendance to the game this week, me personally, me looking at me personally, but I understand a lot of people, especially your, um, I suppose your blue-collar workers, yeah, Uh they they want to get up at ridiculous times in the morning that I wouldn't even think about getting up in, and um, they're they're a big uh, supporter base supporter base of the game, and um, some it's, sometimes it struggles to even watch it on Thursday night. I mean, in the sense of like how late they can go on Thursday night as well. I mean, yeah, they watch up the first half, and if they think that the result's been determined, like a good 30 nil halftime score, yeah, jump in bed because they know who's going to win, or they wait to the 60th minute or the 65th minute, wait till a scoreline, the margin, that's big enough and not watch the end. And, uh, I mean, you know, you've seen sometimes where a game's gone where you've gone 20 points. I mean, that kind of thing. So I don't know if the game should be moved earlier, in a sense, maybe, instead of kicking it off at like almost 8 o'clock. Could we kick off at seven thirty? Well I think it's eight o'clock so uh gives people that extra time to get to the game. But then you've got what the play to catch twenty but it's catch twenty two on the other end where it's it's now a ten o'clock finish or nine forty finish. And you're getting home and some people not getting home until eleven o'clock. Yeah. I know it's so, a, it's, it works by phones, like in sense pushing it late, so you can finish work, get on the train or get in the car, get yourself there, get yourself dinner. Because that's, yeah, cause that's the no, other no, problem no, that no. we're having with Friday night, 6pm games. Yeah, that that one's a bit, that one's tricky in the sense that Holland uh, is the pub game. What well, yeah. I prefer it as the pub game. Get home, oh, get, finish work, finish in your office or finish your uh, day out in the sun doing whatever trade you're doing. Uh, jump into your car, get to the local pub, buy some dinner, have a, a schooner or two and watch the the Friday 6pm game and then if you can you head home or if not you wait and you drink the whole night for the rest of the games and have to stay at the pub the whole night yeah um, alright let us know what you think of Thursday Night Football if it should stay or if it should go just before you finish there you, like you said there's no crowds in Sydney over 20,000 so that might impact if that impacts on anyone or if that's not good enough yeah. well if you're going to talk about crowds you can even see that the Broncos home crowds dips on the Thursday Oh, definitely, they're, they're the greatest uh, crowd pullers in the NRL. So, definitely, yeah. So, should it stay Thursday night football, or should it be scrapped? It's that time of the show where we are listeners' topics, where we go through the feeds of our uh, Twitter and Instagram, or we get our uh, feedback or from email, tweets, or audio messages, and uh, we've got we've, we've got, got our first tomorrow. email this week. We did get our first email this week. Uh, That's not our first one though. Our first one's just been what uh, rumors, speculating, and people talking about Josh Jackson could be exiting Belmore at season's end, with one year remaining on his contract. The captain. I don't want to give this much much airtime at all. I hope it doesn't happen. Great leader. We need him to stay at the club. Uh, He's the character. He's the heart and soul of the club. Shouldn't be entertained. Awesome. That pretty much summed that up. Uh <laughs> we can All right, uh, on to our first email. The exciting which, part. the email. Um me to just uh we've got an email which uh they want to stay anonymous, so we don't want to drop the name. Yeah, anonymous, yes. Yeah. But the best thing about it is it's not about the squad, the coach, right? It's about yep. the game day experience. A different topic. What about the episode? game day experience? They find that uh, they've used the Souths game as a bit of a reference at ANZ. They are talking more about ANZ. They said the Bank West game was fantastic. But the ANZ where um, uh, the the feel of the ANZ, where uh, Souths do a home game, they've got Souths gear everywhere, such as they've got their premierships leading up on the uh, level two, what you, everyone can see. They've got glory, yeah. glory to South Sydney on the, I'm pretty sure it's a northern end where the Bulldogs were sitting. Uh, they've got the Rubber's jersey on the other end behind the post. Uh Everywhere you walk outside of ANZ in the uh, concourse, it was South Sydney hitting you in the face, it was said. Um, Then finally, what's with the Bulldogs DJ and music selection choices after tries and building up the uh, atmosphere in the game? So a few points tick off. They referenced South saying a much better home game experience. And uh, yeah, they enjoyed the South Sydney home game more then they do enjoy a a Bulldogs home game in the NZ Stadium. So a few things to talk about. Well, okay, I'll dive into it. Um, There's a lot to start with there, isn't there? South South India are probably the greatest marketers in the NRL. uh, What they've done with with their branding since returning into the NRL is probably comes off the back of Russell Crowe and all that sort of stuff. But handing out materials and uh, hats and... Jerseys and that sort of stuff to uh, our celebrities, marketing genius. Um, oh yes, definitely. In in America, people there are some people out there that don't know what rugby league is, but know what the South City Rabbitohs are. So like incredible marketing. Uh, and I think that just flows onto the stadium. Uh, very proud club with their history. I'm not saying we're not, but you can really see that. Uh, I feel like we do do a little bit. We've got the uh, the the legends up on the. Uh, behind one side of the post and the, the ring of champions, um, mm-hmm. and the like I think at Bellmore, we've got all our premierships, uh, displayed as well. I suppose that's, I think that's one difference between the two clubs. Canterbury still have Bellmore where Redfern Oval does exist, but, uh, it was demolished and re re It's a different part of that, that, uh, that park now than it was beforehand. Um, I think the, the biggest thing here, uh, probably is uh, the DJ, <laughs> the Bulldogs DJ. I think music has been a problem at the Bulldogs and maybe pre-game entertainment has been a problem at the Bulldogs since, since Todd Greenberg has, uh, left the club. As the, uh, We used to have a really, really great uh, pre-game uh, entertainment experience. I remember back in those days, uh, after the build-up, and the music that was playing, the types of music and the beats that were playing, I was that pumped that I was ready to take the first hit-up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, totally... in, in my seat. Uh, that doesn't happen anymore. Uh, wow. I played really Castle. It <laughs> really took it away. So we have got to build it again. Uh, a good step would be getting rid of the DJ that plays music that probably doesn't relate to Rugby League and also his editing and sound effects aren't great. Uh, well, I feel, anyway, uh, a lot of people have complained about the DJ uh, earlier on in the season 2 haven't they, before we started this podcast? Oh, yeah, there was plenty of tweets earlier about well, what's the DJ going. But the first, going me go back to the uh, South Sydney stuff where they use, the email used South Sydney as a reference. When I walked into ANZ Stadium on Saturday night, ANZ felt a bit different than it normally does. It felt like it was very clear that we were the away team. Um, that starts with the home team and they hit you with all the South-ski. i I did see all the premierships, which they highlighted in the email uh with all the premierships up there and uh, put everywhere um the uh the- the wars yeah like the Bulldogs have got the uh wars where you can actually see uh different fun facts about different players like christian Crichton's got a forty three centimeter bicep which I thought that was pretty cool uh, uh Christian, if you're listening, come on the podcast next week uh you know stuff like that but um it just felt different. Like, the experience felt different. The build-up felt much, much better to the game. It was exciting. It was building it up. The, uh, so, we we'll look at that. Uh, the music there, yeah, the music selection has been pretty poor. And the songs, the choice of after tries are scored. I don't know if we've got uh, a thing where the players get to pick their songs. There are certain times where um, some players score, like, Nick Meany scores, at, at, when it's a home game. It's the dullest of music I've ever heard. <laughs> I thought we we're meant to be excited that he scored, not bored that he scored a try. And when Raymond Fantalamara scores, it feels like we're in CG, which I like actually. It's probably the best part of our music. Well, I'm just saying, <laughs> like it's just a bit weird. Like when Nick Minney crosses the line, it was um quite. It feels like it's quite dull. Or when he kicks a goal, it's that same dull music that gets played. Yeah. It's, it's it feels like good music to play when the opposition scores. But I remember yeah. if we go back to the Dragons game earlier this year when the Dragons, at ANZ, when the Dragons uh, beat the Bulldogs quite comfortably, uh, it felt then that the, the detail was more exciting than seeing the Dragons score than the Bulldogs with the music choices. They're so lifting up the crowd more than the actual Bulldogs tries were. Maybe he's a Dragons fan. Maybe, um, but <laughs> so just to highlighting how poor he is, I'd, hopefully he does not, he's not around next year. Yeah. Like, I'm not too picky about the music, and if, if the players are picking their own music for tries, so I'm fine with that. Uh, I don't think the posters made too big of a difference. Uh, they were nice little touches by South, but I don't think it made too much of a difference uh, to what the dogs do. Uh, oh, I feel it did. I think the biggest thing is the build-up to the games. I think the music, and uh, especially the, like, the last probably 10 or 5 to 8 minutes before the teams run out onto the field, uh, that that's part's lacking. And then uh, that dog that sounds like it's barking itself, choking to death. Um, yeah, sounds like a tennis down the throat. At, at the end of a, it's from that movie, isn't it? From Adam Sandler movie. Oh no! Feel that I don't, dog yet? Oh, I don't watch Adam Sandler that much, to be honest. Yeah, but if we go back, like you said, under Todd Greenberg, the 2011, 2012, uh, 2010 type of time. Yeah. Game day experience. So you walk in, you, have, you would have your holding cup, so you're always guaranteed a reserve grade, so that's something they can't control as much today. They can yeah. try to push for it, but so you say, okay, we'll get that. But we'd look at the last 30 minutes before kickoff. They would have the birthdays on the big screen where they had photos. I thought that was a cool touch. About 20 minutes before kickoff. Uh, they would have... So those are the birthdays that run for a, for a few... They would uh, then do a scan the crowd winner, where they would look and look for members to hand out an 18 jersey, then take them from one side of the stadium to the other side. They get to sit in the player enclosure box. That used to get when you found out you were in that section of the crowd, you had to wave your lanyards and wave. Out the blue and white. Ones, <laughs> yeah, yeah, And we waved the blue and white stuff when you found out it was on your side, it went on different sides every week and different categories of membership. So it wasn't just the same category. You had, Any side of membership yeah. could win it. And if you're on one side, you're taken to the other. If you're on that side, you're taken down and sit down there. Uh, that was pretty cool. And when, even if it wasn't on your side, you're just watching the faces of delight when a person wins that. And they came with like different packages, like stay at the Novotel. I mean, it's all could be glued together. Like it doesn't have to be the same stuff. Done with sponsors as well. Like, a Z Food Voucher, there was one gift there, it was a stay at the Novotel, uh, what was the other stuff? It was like Autobahn and Sing. I know they're not sponsoring anymore, but that's something that was pretty cool. And when you won it, you always watched that in the big screen. I always felt like every week I was curious to see who won that. Uh, that was a good build-up. Uh, like you said, there was the music choices before. Uh, they used to play a lot of... Uh, uh, they did a lot of the music choices much better. And... Uh, I think the, uh, the team list, the team list was uh, right, right before kickoff, or right before the teams ran yeah. out. But I think the music choice got people stuck in looking at the big screen and cheering when the yeah, team list out. I actually, I feel like back then the team list was a little bit earlier than it is now.
1: Feels like maybe it the time. team
0: list now and the players come out not long afterwards. But back then, I feel like I might have done it like, Two minutes, like at least maybe five minutes before kickoff, oh, and minutes. the rest of it was just really pop-up music. Yeah, but Canterbury music too. But Sounded do you like Bulldogs were coming. Did you feel though as well, like when you looked at the team list back then, it felt like everyone had their eyes on the big screen? Yeah, there was more cheering back for every player back in the day. Yeah, back then. So I mean, we, uh, we were more successful back then, no. Yeah, that's true, and we had bigger crowds as well. But they yeah. were drawing. When you looked at it, it was. You'd get um you'd call out, like when a captain would be called out, which would be Andrew Ryan, he would receive a massive cheer and like people like Michael Ennis back then, Josh Reynolds. Uh yeah. those type of players, uh, Luke Patton. When they would definitely call the they used to erupt ANZ. ANZ used to go to a next level just erupting just because they were named on the big screen. We all yeah. know they were playing. But now it feels like we just get there and there's a few claps and a few woo, but nothing (laughs) major. So is it something like do we push it two minutes earlier than what it normally is three minutes earlier? Uh, Does the music have to be better in the background to push it like attention to the big screen? Because we've got the same PA announcer or do we just have to be more successful? Probably a combination of all. All three? If you're being being honest. So we'll just leave the question out there to the listeners. Uh, But but yeah, all those... Before you do that, all the stuff that you just mentioned there, thats that, that pre-game stuff is the stuff that we need to work on, I feel like. You put yeah. as many posters up as you want, it's not going to change anything. But That that pre-stuff, that pre-entertainment on-field jersey giveaway, it doesn't even have to be jersey, it could be anything. Uh Coach's box, uh sorry, player's box giveaways, all that. We need to work yeah. back on that stuff. again. We used to be the best in the league by far. And now it feels like one well, of the worst in some senses. Oh, the- we do like corny things now, like Race the sprinter around the field, and yeah, that's just the sponsor catch, thing catch, because catch. that's that's in the AFL as well. With the diamond. yeah, so it's, it all, it's a, all stolen, it's all stolen from a I think it's a championship one soccer club in England, that's where it so came from. I must say, I do disagree in a sense of the I don't know the post I don't know, I just felt like Saturday night it was definitely South's home ground, even though it was a different, even though it's the same ground. Yeah, uh, just something about the feel of the night, maybe. I don't know, it just felt like you're walking into Assassin's. But with the entertainment side, that the uh, Bulldogs used to be a top. If you're, I don't know, if, I don't know. Maybe if the event crew uh, could listen to the, the fans because there's plenty of suggestions on Twitter, especially towards the start. I know uh, when you start losing, you start nitpicking at everything. But I think this was a good email to bring up the entertainment uh, value for your money at the game. Absolutely. if anyone's listening to this and wants to have their say, they actually email us, tweet us, Instagram messages. Uh, NRL Bulldogs fans on Twitter at NRL Bulldogs fans on Instagram. No, sorry, NRL Bulldogs underscore fans <laughs> on Instagram, NRL dot fans <laughs> at Gmail dot com for your email. Uh, let us what know. Email. Let us know what you think about everything about the podcast, but uh, especially about the game day entertainment. Yep. Or go what to our Enca's. Go to our Inca profile page and send us an audio message. This might be a good one for an audio message. I don't know. That. Uh if- we did get an actual a direct message on Twitter. Before.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, we just got something to sign off. Well, before we sign off,
0: um, from Good friends. Yeah, Tritosaurus. Yeah. Friends, friends of the podcast. Tritosaurus, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, uh, it's good to say that, isn't it? Friend of the podcast. Great friend of the podcast, a great man. <laughs> uh, he said he was going to leave an audio message and he didn't. But because he's a good friend, we'll let him have a week off and bring Bun next week. But yeah. he. Private messaged us. Uh, he's been giving us some nice feedback as well throughout the uh, duration of this, but let's jump in it. He said, no audio message this week, but I would like to say Saturday night game shows that we still <laughs> definitely got bite to us. We've got nothing to lose, and I'm, I'm glad to finally see smiles on our blokes' faces with good feelings after the win. Take note that we have got a 100% win record at Benquest Stadium so far. Bulldogs have had a good win rate since you started your podcast too. We uh we will give eels a run for their money. And finally, Kieran Foran, we hate him and we love him. We hate his injury prone and oh injury prone and on a lot of money. We have we love when he's not injured and know we uh oh, and now we know why we love him. We definitely miss him miss him if the Bulldogs get rid of him. A lot won't agree, but if you look at all the games he's played in with us, he's been a key part in all those matches. All those yeah. games. He's a star player for sure. Uh, just if we could keep him on the field for a whole season, would be fantastic. So thanks for the for that message. Yeah, it's just definitely a debatable thing. It's like, do you risk having someone injury-prone or we know the quality he can bring. Yeah, it's that's just it. Risk thing. But I also like to, I think, since we started the podcast, um, a lot of people talk about uh, the uh, honesty session the Bulldogs have had uh, earlier this uh, the season around the Origin time about their defense being improved and why they're going a winning rate. Well, uh, I think it's highlighted since the podcast that's why the winning rate's been so good recently. I think that's yeah. the reason why. Yeah, they're, I think they're all listening. Great. They're all listening. All the players listen and uh, take take some uh, take some advice and. To put it in action. They want their names to be called as our man of the match, player of the match, or, or at least be highlighted. <laughs> I think we're going to take Absolutely. a message from Tolman for, for thanking him for being highlighted like 10 times straight, even though we haven't <laughs> had 10 episodes. Nah, that, that's all crap. Uh, no, I'm <laughs> kidding. I'm, uh, yeah. Alright, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, so make sure you get in contact with us. Uh, apart from that, that's all for this week. See you at Bankwest Stadium tomorrow night.